Is that on? I must have switched it off as I put it in my pocket. Sorry about that. I don't need to start again, do I? No, terrifying. Um, just watching, it, watching that visually, it, it's easy, uh, well, it's easy for me to forget the, the, that it's the word of God that we're listening to, isn't it? In the sense, because there's something of the, the story and the unfolding story, I think, that comes over very well in that sense. And um, that's the positive. And I think it's difficult sometimes to sort of recognize, in a sense, how the film is made up, is how the story of the mission of God is made up, in the sense that it's made up. I was just thinking about this, sitting there, that the, the, the film we see is made up of individual frames, isn't it? it? Again, with digital age, it's sort of, you know, some of you might remember, you know, old film and whatever. But to get the film, to get the word, what was necessary was for, for each to play their part. And, and that's the kind of sense I, I've got this morning in leading into this. I got Mackie's email uh, about uh, this morning, and it was sort of along the lines of we're working through Acts, and, and we got to chapter 8, and, and yet we want you to talk about that and something about one of the big themes that fits into the whole Bible, I think, wasn't it, or something like that. Uh, so, so I'm just sort of praying, really, that my contribution might fit somewhere in this sort of unfolding story of Acts as, as, you, as you go through that. But um, as we look at this particular chapter you, and listen to it there, it, it, it strikes me that there's a few names mentioned, there's a few individuals mentioned, and yet the impact, as we read it here, is, is quite remarkable. Um, it talks about the word of God being preached and the good news of Jesus being made known and responded to and welcomed throughout Samaria. And by the same token, at the end of the chapter, you've got uh, Philip sort of almost passing the baton of the good news into the hands of an unknown Ethiopian who then takes the gospel uh, to his own land. And so you've got just a handful of people mentioned and yet you've got the unfolding and sort of the spreading out of the good news to potentially thousands, even in, in the sort of the then-known world. And I just thrilled, really, listening to... I, I know a little bit about the uh, Bulgarian partner's story, but just to be here and listen to sort of a, that arrival in Sofia and, and £40,000 raised, and, and that's... That's primarily out of this fellowship. Uh, and that's remarkable. And, and again, it's kind of a, a sort of passing on of the baton, isn't it? Sort of you're here, they're there, but the impact of the gospel is continuing. And um, then elders' election. Um, what I thought before we get into this, again, it was last week, so I guess you have an opportunity of that. And I, and I know not everyone's here because Pete... Barton came in and went. He's had to go and uh, rescue his son from uh, a car breakdown over in Monmouth. But I think it'd be good if though the elders and pastoral staff, or whatever you call yourselves, who are in here, if you would just sort of stand that we might pray for you uh, this morning. So I know Jenny and Dave and Mackie and Carol. Uh, well, yeah, you know who you are. I'm going to get it wrong because I'll forget the name. So can you just stand and... Um, that's pretty much most of you, actually, isn't it? Apart from Pete, I think. 
and perhaps some, just one or two, would just sort of lay hands around and um, we'd just pray for them. Yeah, don't, don't be shy, you can get up and move. I know this is the sermon slot, but uh, if you don't mind, I'll just lead us in a word of prayer because I know you've been asked, Richard's asked you to pray for these good folk in the future, but I think if we can just kind of root that really and say, well, yeah, we're not all going to go home and just forget about it. We are actually starting as we mean to go on. So, Father, we thank you for each one standing uh, today. We thank you for, for them all, and we thank you for Pete, who's not able to be here. And we do pray, as we've been asked to pray, that by your Holy Spirit, you would mold them together, that they might be a true team, a body of people that reflects um, some of the wonderful facets that will shine and reflect the glory of Jesus. We pray for each one of them as individuals, and we pray now that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon them, because they'll need the wisdom of your Holy Spirit, they'll need the insight. And Lord, we pray for each one also about that word that again has been mentioned, integrity. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, by the power of your word, we pray that each woman and man before us would be able to hold the bits together so that they themselves as individuals will reflect Jesus at the core of their intent, their motivation, their actions, their attitudes, and all that they do and share and talk about and pray about and act out together as your people. So, Lord, we pray for them, for your rich blessing, but significantly, Lord, we ask that they would see themselves as conduits, as channels, as those through whom the blessing of God may flow. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you for um, just bearing with me and, and doing that. It just seemed to be um, <clears throat> a helpful moment um, before we get to Acts and uh, Andy. Um, if you could... Uh, right, okay, that's Weber. That reminds me, there's a table there. There's a number of things that are free on there. There's a Weber newsletter. There's a Baptist Union, Baptist Together magazine. There's a, a prayer letter from me. All those things are free. There is a book on there that is uh, some... Uh, DNA group workbook um, and um, they're five pounds each so um, please feel free to have a look at that and I'll bring up those later on and what you were talking about is, is I was thinking well I don't know why they bothered doing that because actually some of those keywords are all there those, those DNA workbooks and the little groups I'm trying to kick off everywhere are all about reflecting on where, where is God in my life who is God leading to in the week ahead? How do we practice? All the keywords. So you could have written that for me and saved me the trouble. Um, but that sounds great. That the initiative sounds really wonderful. Anchoring the past week, the coming week, in the reality of God. So that sounds brilliant. Uh, next one, Andy, because um, we just need to get through these. One or two things on there. Um, I'll, I'll mention Portishead a little bit later on, but just to say that... Um, uh, lovely couple, you'll see their picture later on, moving up to Portishead. And uh, what we're trying to do in, in, in Weber at the moment is, is just trying to focus attention so that we will actually um, intentionally plant somewhere new at least once a year over the next 10 years. And sort of September this year to August next year, our focus will be on Portishead 
and um, we're grateful to churches like this who support the, that possibility, um, primarily through your giving to Home Mission. And the 3.5% there is good news. Some of you <coughs> will know vague things about how everybody needs more money, but if we get our 3.5% increase, we feel we've got a sustainable way forward, um, that we're not sort of overstretching um, everything. Um, but obviously more money, we can do more. And, and the next one is just, I think, our <coughs> core convictions, a wee bit. And I popped these up this morning because <coughs> hopefully as you're going through the book of Acts and as we look again <coughs> at chapter 8 this morning, you'll see <coughs> excuse me, these uh, six core convictions, um, I, I would say, fit them together and you end up with something that's more akin to missional movement where God can bring, use these components and, and weld them together and enable them to, to uh, span out the, the work of, of God in mission by the Holy Spirit. And um, hopefully you'll be able to take any chapter in Acts, bless you, brother, <coughs> and see how these convictions are, are embedded in, in almost every chapter of that unfolding story that we're looking at again today. And we'll see them again, or you'll be able to spot them um, as we look at some of the things that are rooted, I think, in chapter 8. Jesus is at the heart of everything. You'll see that throughout uh, the book of Acts. Um, the church is a purposeful community. Uh, there's no doubt about that, although periodically throughout the story, then as now, the church wanted to settle and sort of be more focused on gathering than being scattered, and we'll see how that happens. Discipleship as the core activity. It's all about, isn't it, this amazing thing, and it came across pretty well in um, Peter's words, you know, you may you perish, you know, and your money perish with you, and that kind of thing, that, that actually it was all about whoever was encountered in the name of Jesus. It was about ushering into the wake of following him in the positive sense, but that word repentance crops up, I think, two or three times in chapter 8. And it was actually about people needing to recalibrate their lives uh, around the person of Jesus Christ. Mission, the organizing principle. I'm not convinced that it was the organizing principle behind uh, many of the individual characters who were leading the church. That's true now as well as then, isn't it? But certainly as we read through the book of Acts, you can see how it is most definitely the organizing principle of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and God doesn't allow the church to settle and dwell and just enjoy life together uh, for too long in any one place, does he? He's all the time pushing, pushing, pushing it out. Uh, structures, um, certainly they had nothing like we've got today in the book of Acts, so they didn't get beyond organic because it seems that God didn't let them. Um, and that's going to be a challenge. And then relationships. <laughs> the crucial oil to make things happen. And um, Alan Hirsch talks about an apostolic environment, how we work together, whether they be pastors, elders, members of churches, how we are interdependent one on the other. And it's that kind of sense that we create the environment to encourage one another into mission of God, what you were talking about. So that sort of gets us into Acts chapter 8 a little bit. Um, and um, yep, yeah, so Andy, if you, if you go on, um, let's um, put up this question really. 
over the last couple of days, um, that's, the, that's the question I've come up with. Which chapter is my life in as part of the unfolding story of the mission of God? And I think that's kind of a blend of all sorts of thoughts that you'll probably have different thoughts as you read uh, this chapter again. In my Bible, you see, it's just head, there's one or two paragraphs and they've got headed up. Philip in Samaria, Simon the sorcerer, and Philip and the unknown, unnamed, Ethiopian. And as I read through this um, chapter once or twice, thinking about this morning, that, that was the fundamental question that came to me. Because on the one hand, we're reading an exciting history of the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at this particular point, we're seeing how it's spreading around Samaria. And it's beginning to infiltrate, or we're seeing the the first signs of how it's going to be taken to begin to infiltrate Ethiopia. And how this kind of uh, centrifugal force of the Spirit of God is spreading out from Jerusalem across and around the world to the ends of the earth. As Jesus says, we're to go and make disciples. And yet... This massive beyond any of our ability to fully engage in and comprehend story is going on on the one hand. And yet, what it amounts to is akin to one frame here and there of the dramatic visualization of this chapter. It's down to Philip. It's down to... Simon, repenting and responding when confronted with the word of God. It's down to the Ethiopian, not just saying, thanks very much, this is great, I now understand, but taking the good news, taking Jesus back to his own place, back to Ethiopia. And it's that kind of tension, I think, we probably all find ourselves in, isn't it? You know, those of us who have been Christians for a while, we're sort of sometimes overawed with a sense of, wow, God choosing me. Wow, God calling me. Wow, what a big mission. What a big challenge. Who am I? What can I contribute? Where do I fit in? And it seems to me that it actually, it does all boil down to the single frames being put together, it does all boil down to you and me in this very next week asking the question when we're in front of everybody we're standing in front of or sitting on a desk alongside or wherever it is we encounter people, Lord, what are you up to? Are you up to someone? Are you up to something in the person's life that I generally only say hi to when we're getting a coffee and break at at work. What are you up to in the person I sit next to invariably on the bus down to the centre? What are you up to in the people I rub shoulders with, whether they be at home or wherever they might be? And Acts chapter 8, I think, for me, 
highlight that question. Um, if you go on, Andy, in the next slide, I've just put up um, this young couple, Dan and Beth, um, and their little baby, Pippa. They're moving up from Sussex in, um, uh, in, in December to Portishead. And basically, Dan's a Baptist minister at the moment. He's paid full-time um, uh, in Sussex. And from December, he's moving up to Portishead, and he hasn't got a job. And we haven't got a church to give him, to pay, pay him. And we've basically said, well, we'll find the money. Um, and we've got a bit of money from uh, Home Mission, and we're hoping that our new Churches Initiative Fund will provide the rest of the money to provide them with housing. And uh, we're going to go from there. And if I'd have said, because Mackie knows about this, Dave knows about this, we have a, some sort of settlement process that goes on that I'm involved in around the country, and I've got Baptist ministers saying, oh, I want to think about going somewhere else, and we've got churches saying we want someone else, and we sort of throw all the bits of paper up in the air, and then we see which church is nearest to which name at the bottom, and then we put them, you know. Anyway, it sort of generally works out. But if I'd have said, you know... It, it, to, those, to that list of people, we need someone to come without being paid, who's willing to leave your calling, as it were, as a minister, and probably end up with a job in Morrison's in Portishead just to pay the bills. I guess it might not have happened that way. But I got a call from a friend one day and said, oh, I've been talking to this young guy and he's got this sense that God might be calling him to somewhere in our sort of area and do you want to have a chat with him? And I just laid out a few challenges we got and he came back to me and said, well, Portis Head sounds really interesting. And all I'm saying is it's just one thing led to another and we're going with it. don't know how it'll pan out. But I bet many of you are in jobs now that you didn't get because you saw the advert and you put in your application form with the sense of, oh, I really know, Lord, this is the job that you've carved out and you've provided for me. I bet loads of us are actually in a place in other areas of our life, not necessarily work, where we didn't identify as being the place that God really wanted us to step into. I bet there's quite a few of us who have got colleagues at work and people around us who are close to us who no way would we have picked out or chosen. But, but, in spite of all that, God actually is in charge. And he wants us where we are to be the people that he wants us to be. And if I can get over any of that sense into your heart, as has got into my heart from Acts chapter 8, um, I'd be very grateful. Let's move on, Andy. Let's just, um, just a, a little kind of thing. Verse 1 talks about persecution that leads to scattering. 
Um, it's a bit akin to applying for the job that you want, but God giving you something totally different. In the sense that nobody wanted persecution. Nobody wanted persecution. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. No church welcomes that strength of opposition. None of us welcome actions, decisions that make us feel that the direction we wanted to go in is almost diametrically opposed to the direction God seems to be pushing us in, or at the time, other people seem to be pushing us in, because it was other people who were persecuting the church. Philip is scattered, he's one of those, to Samaria. Then we encounter Simon the sorcerer, and uh, this dramatic encounter with God. And then Philip goes down uh, to Ethiopia, encounters the Ethiopian, Again, in a place he didn't choose, in a situation that was not of his choosing, and yet in that place, the place not of his choosing, and this is crucial, he just senses the Holy Spirit say, go over to that carriage. One of the guys I pray with each week um, in a DNA group, um, we didn't call him that when we started, and you don't need to call him that if you start a group, but he just had the sense that Actually, he needed, um, with another guy, so they went, sort of were two by two, to start sailing again. Now, he's about 70 now, and he had this real enjoyment of sailing, but gave it up when he was a younger Christian, because these are his words. He sensed that God was saying, you know, you're putting too much of yourself into that and all the rest of it, so he gave it up. And so, actually, he's very nervous about rejoining a sailing club today because he recognizes the kind of person he is. He throws everything into it. And it could easily be, and these are his words, it could easily become an idol and get in the way of his relationship with God. And a couple of weeks ago, the other Friday morning, he said he walked into this room, this new sailing club out Chew Magna, out south of Bristol. And he just sensed the Holy Spirit say to him, as he stepped into the room, there's someone in this room who needs to be saved. And that's how it happens, isn't it? I'm not saying you get it like quite as crystal clear as that. I don't usually. Gosh, you know, I, I don't hear God that clearly and that accurately. What I sense I do pick up on sometimes is when I'm talking to somebody, just chatting about all and sundry, and there's an opportunity to express sometimes something that we tend to take for granted in the church, something like kindness, something like compassion. And you just have the opportunity to express that either with words or by offering to do something or whatever it might be. And their response tells you, because I'm sure it doesn't just happen to me, their response tells you that what you've done in their life is unusual in their experience. 
because people aren't used to other human beings taking an opportunity to be kind, to be patient, to be compassionate, generally, because we're all pretty much too busy. I had a great chat in Sainsbury's last week in the queue. I was only there, don't get impressed, I was only there to get some donuts for staff meeting, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't doing, you know, very much whatsoever, and it was rushing in and out five minutes. But it was all about these sort of new, um, you know, scans and all the rest of it. And um, the woman who behind me, we were chatting to, to, to the lady who was, because I was on a manual thing. Um, I can do the self-service ones, <laughs> I, you know, but on a manual thing. And she was saying, no, I like to queue. I like someone to serve. I like to queue to me. And she said, because it slows me down. She got two children with us about this high. And she said, I don't have any time to think apart from in the queue at Sainsbury's. Uh, that is pretty sad. Yeah, absolutely. But all I'm saying is people's lives are so cluttered that when you do have that opportunity, and I think that's as good as the Holy Spirit saying, there's someone here who needs to be saved. You don't need to hear it as clearly as that. You just need to act. And, uh, and so moving swiftly on... Um, Oh, I must have put two of those in. Where do I count in the story of God's multiplying kingdom? Am I being added? Because the thing with Acts is it's written by Luke, and you've probably had everybody say this every week so far, but Luke, Acts, you can look at it as one book, and, um, or two books, and one author, like War and Peace, part one and two, however you want, but it's the same guy who wrote it. And I think we just need to not so much identify this as Luke's story, but understand this as God's story, as God's mission, and not so much just dig into the wonderful things about what Simon and Philip and um, the Ethiopian were wearing in those days, but just ask the question, how do they illustrate the challenge to me? I imagine someone said going through Acts in recent weeks, you know, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to go back to the church in Acts? Because someone usually says that, and I know I've got, you know, let's go back to Acts and sort of go back to the beginning. Because I think the question is much more, how do we get what God was doing in the church in Acts into the church today. And that quickly becomes a question, how do I open my eyes, not to the vast canvas of God's unfolding story, but to the things that Philip and Peter and John, who are mentioned as apostles in this particular chapter, were doing. And what that was was, What are you saying now, Lord? What are you doing in their life? What are you speaking into my life? Am I being added? Am I sort of, as it were, at the beginning of Luke? <laughs> and you, you're here this morning and you're, you're not quite sure yet that you're part of this strange people called the church you're not quite sure yet that you are a 
follower, a disciple of Jesus. But you've got that sense and you're here because you've kind of got that pull from God that is in the process of making you one of his. So are you sort of at the beginning of the story? Or am I just added? And I think there's a very small window of those of us who are just added. Because the next question is, am I looking to add? And I think we get a chapter, a, a, a small window between Luke 9 and Luke 10, where we see those who are just added. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out 12 on a mission. And then by the time you get to Luke chapter 10, it says, and then he sent out 72 others who presumably came from the mission of the 12. And so the just added are sent out almost immediately with hardly any knowledge of the teaching of Jesus, with hardly any number of days as disciples of Jesus under their belt. So the just added, you could be just added if you've become a Christian in the next three or four weeks, but if you've been a Christian longer than that, you're really into asking the question, am I looking to add? And the thing about multiplication that's going on here, you see Jesus gets to 12, then he multiplies that to 72, and then each of them do. When Jesus says, greater things than these you will do, I think I get my answer as to what he meant reading the book of Acts. Because nobody does more than Jesus as an individual. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He preached to thousands who responded and opened their hearts and lives to him. But physically, he was one person walking around from place to place. Whereas in the book of Acts, you begin to see the greater things because Jesus is still alive and Jesus is still at work, but he's doing it now in Ethiopia and Samaria and Judea. And then in Egypt and in Italy and in Cyprus. And it's spreading and it's multiplying. And um, the thing I won't bother speaking about, but um, the thing I was going to just um, sort of go into a little bit more was the fact that God only multiplies when we are looking to add. I don't know how many people here this morning, but if each and every one of us passes on something of the good news that is Jesus into another person's life this week, then the multiplying effect of the spread of the wonderful good news of the gospel of Jesus will take place. It's not going to happen here as we condense it down, but it is going to happen at work, in the hospital, in the school, in the office, in the college. It is going to happen in the toddler's group, in the coffee morning. It's going to happen wherever we go and wherever we are sent. And I guess if we choose in our mind to kind of stay here this morning and we kind of hope that we're going to get something that is going to, 
that phrase that sometimes I hear in church, carry us through the week, then we're probably going to be disappointed because we're going to be looking back to a warm glow on a Sunday morning that isn't there on a Tuesday afternoon or a Thursday morning. But if we're willing to carry with us the Holy Spirit of God, the Acts of the Apostles been debate in previous generations, should it be called the Acts of the Apostles, this book, or should it be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit? If we're willing to carry the Holy Spirit of God with us and allow ourselves to be part of the story, to see ourselves, to see your name in this chapter, well then there's just a chance that the multiplying effect of the kingdom of God will happen again next week just as it's happened for 2,000 years. Shall we... Um, got a song or two? Finish or whatever? Shall we just um, sing the song? And what I'm going to suggest, I don't know whether you do this these days, um, whether you pray for people, but I'm just going to suggest that... Um, have you got a place where people come to pray, if you ever have prayer? Or do we do it in this little circle here? I'm going to suggest that as we sing, if you want um, someone to just to pray for you, you don't have to say the circumstances, you don't have to name the person, but you really, I'm asking those of you who just would like someone to pray for you, who would just pray the blessing of God and the power of God's Spirit for you in this week ahead um, to be someone who will pass on, who will hand over, who will be a channel for the gospel of grace, then I suggest you perhaps just come here. We just, I don't know what you've got to do, one or two, but is that okay? And then those of you who know how to pray for people, people like Mackie will come and pray for you. Is that all right? Let's go. Let's sing. I don't know what we're singing. Let's stand up.